Life has its ups and downs. Our guests will share their story and their journey through life. They'll share the struggles they hit and how they pivot in a way to come out stronger and better than before. Growing up, we are taught there is one way of life that essentially creates our life's checkmark. You have a choice to go in any direction you desire. As you listen to our guest, you're encouraged to look at your life and the checkmark you created in your mind and readjust if needed after listening to some of the incredible stories told. This is the Life's Checkmark Podcast, and I'm your host, John Emery. In this episode, you're going to really enjoy the enthusiasm JR has. He's going to share his story from being a child, not knowing where to go in life, and then found help through joining the military. He'll share his experience from the military that gave him purpose to start businesses and then ultimately help other entrepreneurs along the way. Today, I have with me JR, and him and I, we got to meet... um, an event back in May, uh, we went to an event there and it was kind of funny. We sat down in the lobby, not, no, nobody knew anybody. Right. And then, uh, I think you sat, you sat next to me, I think, and it was across from another woman and we were talking for a while. And, uh, so there was some kind of connection there. We kind of connected and, uh, we saw each other once in a while throughout, uh, the three days, I think that we were there for, and, uh, you know, we got, got to know each other a little bit better. So JR came on to uh, share with us his journey and share with us what he's doing and stuff. And so I'm going to hand it off to JR. And if you could just start sharing how you started going from wherever you came from, right, to to where you are today. I know it's a probably a long story, but we can go back. Yeah. How much time do I got? You got plenty of time. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, yeah, I mean, first off, you know, I appreciate you having me on your show and and just uh, kind of seeing you like when I when I showed up to that event with uh, Justin Schink, I didn't really know anyone other than him. And I saw you in there and I thought you were a part of the crew just because you were, you know, dressed nice and looking good and looked like you owned the room. So I was like, oh, man, I want to get to know this guy. So I sat down next to you and, and just really wanted to connect and, and uh, learn more about you. And I'm glad I did because uh, I think you're a phenomenal individual. Loved hearing more about your story, what you're going through, the the highs, the lows, and and what you're what you're working through, and what you're building. So excited to be on the show! Excited to learn more about you and be connected. It's just uh, it's pretty amazing, and I feel honored to be a guest on your show and being uh being able to contribute in some way to be part of it. So appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. So yeah, so my my journey honestly it goes back from early childhood. You know, I I grew up in a family owned business. My mom always owned a martial. Been in the fitness, been in the martial arts my entire life. That's all I really knew. And started teaching martial arts since I was probably 10 or 11 years old. And that, and for me, growing up in martial arts, I didn't really know anything different. So it taught me how to grow up really fast from a leadership standpoint, how to speak in front of, of a crowd, how to connect with other people, core values, character development, and all these different things. And so you know, for, that really taught me and led me to where I'm at today. And so kind of uh, fast forward, you know, going through even even high school and different things like that. You know, I uh, went through a little bit of trouble and was a little rebel child and didn't really know what I was going to be doing. I didn't really take into uh, school too much. And even though I had a lot of discipline and structure from the martial arts, I, uh, I kind of wanted to do my own thing for a while and got in a lot of trouble hanging around the wrong crowd, doing the wrong things. And so one day I ended up skipping school. I lost my license too. So I couldn't really drive anywhere. I got fired from a job, didn't have any money. And, but I had a lot of, a lot lot of tickets. I owed the law for, for different things of getting trouble with, and I needed to figure out how to pay for it. And so 
one day I ended up skipping school. My grandmother who helped raise me, I got four sisters. So I grew up in a house with five women. It was like me and my mom and four sisters. And so my grandparents were both very involved in our upbringing. Well, one day when I, you know, my, my grandmother came over, it was early in the morning and skipped school. And I asked her, I said, Hey grandma, you know, I need some money. And, uh, I, can you drive me to some pawn shops so I can you know, get, sell some stuff, get some money and pay off some, some of these fines and dues that I got, or else they're going to send me back to jail. And I was like, so she, she agreed. I went and grabbed whatever I could find that was mine in my house and got in her car and she's driving. This is in St. Louis at the time. I live in, in Virginia, but I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. So she's driving down the main strip in Lindbergh and pulled into a shopping center and I'm like, grandma, you're passing by all these shops. What are you doing? And she's, she just pretty much looked at me and, you know, and, and just told me to be quiet and stuff and pulled, pulled up and, and into the parking spot. And I look ahead and I was like, what are we doing? Well, it was right in front of the recruiter station. She was like, I don't care what branch of the service you're going to go in, but you're not coming out until you actually sign up for one. And so I wasn't going to say no to my grandma. I have a high respect for her and, and who she is. And, and, you know, I didn't really want to go to school. I didn't have any direction of knowing what I was going to do in my life. I was like, okay, I'm just going to continue getting in trouble, whatever. So, but I knew I didn't want to join the army or the air force. And my uncle was uh, in the Marine Corps and my grandfather was in the retired Navy. And my, my dad was in the army, but you know, I, I just never really, you know, looked, look at one, you know, respecting, not saying I don't respect, but just looking at the, the army and the, the air force, just not my cup of tea. So, but I didn't want to go in the Marine Corps because at the time I was like, okay, they just work too hard. So I thought the Navy would have been the easy way to go. They would be relaxed and I get to see the world, you know, go on the ship and sail the seas and all these different things. So uh, God had a different plan for me, which was uh, kind of crazy because I ended up signing up in the Navy when I was 17, when I graduated high school with a 1.2 GPA, which I think they just let me go through and get a diploma because they knew I was going to the military. I should not even pass because I skipped probably more than half of my senior year. So end up getting my diploma and sailing off to sea, going to boot camp at Great Lakes, Chicago in 2003 and uh, right out, right out of, right out of high school. And, you know, God has a, a pretty crazy sense of humor. He says, I signed up for the Navy as a aviation boatsmate handler. Don't even know what they do. And it was something on the ship. And so I ended up signing about up with that, when and when I was in boot camp and then or before boot camp and then when I was in boot camp, I found about this other job called an RP, which stood for program specialist. Now keep in mind between my senior year of or uh, when I signed up for the Navy and the time when I actually went in, I went through a major life transformation. I ended up rededicating my life to Christ. My life completely changed. I changed my perspective of where who I was and everything like that. And I was really getting into ministry pretty heavy. And uh, especially on the music side, I was doing a lot of music ministry and just, just hanging out with a lot better crowd too. And by, you know, getting more happiness, joy, peace, and, and just uh, finding more purpose and fulfillment in my life. And that, that ultimately changed a lot for me. And so when I went in and found out about this job as an RP, which is security for the chaplain, because in the military, chaplains are non-combatants, meaning they can't even carry a weapon for defense. So they have my job as an RP to carry the weapon and pretty much be there. So as an RP, you could serve, you'll be, you know, serve in a hospital, you can work in a chapel, you can be on a ship, or you can be with the Marines. So I so this is where I said God has a sense of humor. I go in the, I go to boot camp 
you know, Navy boot camp because I was like, oh, I don't want to go to the Marines because they work too hard. And I get out of boot camp and I spend my entire time with the grunts in the United States Marine Corps. And I'll tell you what, I uh, that was that was probably the best thing ever for me. I loved being with the Marine Corps. They taught me so much about you know life, about business, and I met some of my closest friends on the rifle range in the middle of the rain. So it was it was definitely the best thing for me. So I think I would have hated the ship life. I think I would have hated you know being in the Navy and being stuck out at sea for periods of time. But we did take ships, uh, the Navy ships from San Diego when I was with Second Battalion Fourth Marines to uh to iraq when i deployed in 2006 and 2007 over there and we were but the good thing is i was a guest on the ship so i didn't have any responsibility but eat sleep and work out best possible on the ship and when we hit the ports like in hawaii or australia and then i went to singapore you know we just had a a good time before we landed over in kuwait and and flew over to uh to iraq so that's the beginning of my story right there but you know when i went to iraq there was uh Definitely a lot that, you know, especially one traumatic event that changed the whole outcome of my entire life because I was planning on making an entire career in the military. But, you know, I I had a really rough experience while I was over in Iraq and, uh, you know, it showed me a different side of what the military was about. And now don't get me wrong. I loved being in the military. I loved I I have a lot of honor and pride for doing it, but realized that it wasn't going to be for me long term. So I had a plan of wanting to make a career out of it. But being on deployment definitely changed my perspective of where I wanted to go. But on February 7th, 2007, one one particular event, you know, after many, but one particular event definitely changed the entire outcome of my life. I woke up one morning on that day and it was about 6 a.m. We were, me and the chaplain, we were gone the night before on a mission and, uh, you know, doing, doing other things. And so we had little sleep. I woke up early, was going to look for the chaplain at our normal, you know, rendezvous point where we just kind of checked in, did our thing and planned the day. And I go look for him and he's not anywhere to be found. I was like, where the heck is he? He wasn't in the chapel. wasn't in the medical bay. He wasn't uh, anywhere to be found. So I went to our headquarters and talked to the CEO. I was like, okay, I can't find the chaplain. I don't know where he's at. And for me to not know where the chaplain is really bad because everywhere he goes, I'm supposed to be the one responsible for where he's at and what he does. Kind of find out. You know, after you know, talked to them and 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 calm, he went on a patrol in the city with our you know battalion sergeant major and CO, which is definitely a big no. And he's not supposed to go anywhere without me. And he just put from from that actions put myself and him in complete risk. And uh, so at this moment, I'm like, oh man, this day's already starting out bad. I'm like, okay, this is, I, I have a bad feeling in my gut. Something bad's gonna happen. Don't know what it is, but it's just not starting out right. So I end up finding out where he was, and I end up finding a, a a checkpoint at a fob, which you know, Ford operating base down where we can meet. And I found a convoy uh, within within our camp that was going down there to drop off supplies to the Marines and sailors over there. And so I, I don't know about you, but I, like, I'm for me, I woke up thinking something bad is going to happen and just have this weird feeling just like hovering over me the whole time. Now, keep in mind, every time I got in behind the wheel of a Humvee, you know, I always had a lot of fear. And so I would pray and memorize Psalm 91 over me. And, you know, one particular verse in Psalm 91, it says a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 your right hand, but you shall not be touched. So when I was, when I was speaking that out over me and uh, just kind of like saying it to myself while I'm in the Humvee down there, it had a different meaning. It was like, okay, something, something feels off. 
it's a beautiful day outside. There's no rain. It's not cold. It's actually great weather, but just something felt off about everything. And so I get down there and beat the chaplain and the sergeant major and CO at the checkpoint. It's right on the Euphrates River. So we the checkpoint was where we searched everyone walking in and out of the city. And so we're down by the Euphrates River, and I'm there with the, the other Marines and standing in the walkway where people that are coming in and out, I can actually see them because there's another opening there. And I'm there for probably about an hour or so. And the chaplain ends up making it there. And there's like a center courtyard and then like a, a building that we can go on the top and overlook, you know, the, the people coming in from a distance and stuff like that. So the chaplain is talking to some Marines in the, the center courtyard area. And I'm in, I'm in this other, the walkway and just kind of, you know, hanging out with the, and building rapport, moral support, just checking in on and seeing how things are going. And the Marine there, his name was uh, Corporal Emery at the time. And, uh, you know, oh, yeah. So it's, it's kind of funny because your, your last name is Emery. He's, he's the guy that I was, I was telling you about before. But, yeah, Annie, Annie's from Pennsylvania. So, but, you know, Dave, David Emery, Corporal Emery at the time, you know, we're standing in the center section and just kind of, you know, chit-chatting and hanging out and then just watching the locals that are coming in and out and, you know, what we, we thought were keeping people safe. And so there, there was a period of time while I'm standing there, you know, probably after about 45 minutes or so. And I just started, I had like this audible voice. Now keep in mind, I'm, I'm really, my faith has definitely grown. There's never, never an atheist in a foxhole. So, but you know, I was already growing in my faith beforehand. So I learned to hear, you know, a little bit about God, you know, God's voice and speaking to me, but this was almost like an audible voice saying, Hey, you need to move like now and go check on the chaplain. Just kind of tell me that and I wasn't responding. It wasn't like, okay, you know, chaplain's over there. I know. And I'm like looking around and where the heck is that voice coming from and what's going on and stuff like that. And I knew where the chaplain was. He was around a corner behind our barricade Hesco area and in the, in the courtyard. So, um, but then I'm standing there and not listening. A few seconds goes by and says, Hey, go check on the chaplain and move. Like almost like it was telling me to like go. I wasn't listening. And all of a sudden it was like a third time and I still wasn't listening. But then I started getting like a, a, a nauseous feeling in my gut and I started feeling sick. I was like, oh man, I feel like I'm getting ready to throw up. And I was feeling completely fine all day. You know, so I was getting this nauseous feeling and I was like, oh, I need to go check out the chaplain. I'll, okay, look, I'll go find him. I need to step away. I need to go find some water because I just was not feeling good at all. And so I'm walking by. And I make a right turn. I'm going towards the courtyard area. And my sergeant major ends up walking right by me. And uh, he ends up meeting up with uh, Corporal Emery. And as I pass the, the sergeant major, I'm passing by the opening on my right side where people that are walking into the city or through that opening, is uh, they're coming that direction going into the city. So I'm walking by that. It's on my right side. Sergeant major just passed me on my left. And as I passed by the sergeant major and that opening, and probably take a few steps later, but I was probably maybe six feet away from at this time, a guy that was walking through lifted his arms and was strapped with C4 and blew himself up. <laughs> so that bomb itself, we didn't know if it was mortars coming in or, or what, but that bomb threw me. I was left unconscious for a while and, and it, ha it happened so quick. And I remember just, uh, you know, coming to, and I see the chaplain on the ground and he's, trying to crawl underneath the shelter because we didn't know if there was going to be more enemy fire coming in. And uh, as he's crawling, I couldn't, I, I had straight tunnel vision. I didn't know if I had all my, any limbs or if I had any injuries or what, but I just, I just went in fight or flight mode and just went, knew what I had to do, what I was trained to do. And that was to grab the chaplain 
and I couldn't even walk. I couldn't lift my I had ringing on the whole right side of my body and my ear, my right arm. I couldn't lift my rifle. I couldn't raise my left body on the whole all the way down to my toes was completely numb. But I saw like uh, it was either my gunny or my first sergeant was standing back and like waving. And I tell they were screaming, but I couldn't hear anything. It was straight tunnel vision and dust everywhere. And and it was just, you know, think about the worst war movie that you ever seen before and uh, put this in this moment because that's exactly what happened. So I ended up seeing the sergeant major or not sergeant major, the first sergeant gunny. And I grabbed the chaplain by the back of his flak and dragged him as hard as I could underneath shelter. It was probably like, I don't know, 25 yards, 30 yards or something like that. Got him underneath there and, uh, you know, and just really assessing the area and what's going on and doing what Marines do best. So you kind of backtrack a little bit when that blast happened, the Sergeant Major that went by me, Sergeant Major was standing right where I was standing when that blast took place. And uh, he ended up paying the ultimate sacrifice and ended up dying during the blast. So if I didn't listen to that voice and move, that would have been me standing and not be here today to be talking to you guys. And he was going to be retiring that May. Uh, Corporal Emery ended up losing both of his legs and had many other injuries you know, from that from that blast itself. Uh, that's the Marine that I was staying next to. Uh, Jennifer Purcell, who was much further away, she ended up uh, she ended up passing away and uh, as well and died during that that blast. And we lost our interpreter Jimmy during the blast as well. And then there was a ton of other injuries. This was like the biggest the biggest bloodbath that you could ever imagine. And you know. Thinking about Psalm 91, as I got behind that wheel and was was praying myself over that, you know, when I told you that a thousand may fall aside and ten thousand in your right hand and it shall not come near you, I had one little speck of blood in the back of my flak, and that's it. Even the chaplain had flesh of other body parts scattered all over his flak and his clothes, and yet I had one little speck of blood. So I knew God's hand was watching over me at that time, and you know, He has a purpose for me and what's going on and who I am today. And I'm still trying to figure out what that purpose is and just keep living to the best I can. So, yeah, so that's, that's a, a lot about my story and that kind of led me to where I'm at. And, you know, since then, you know, I've, I built six different businesses and, and uh, ranging from the martial arts industry to fitness, to advertising and marketing and now consulting. And it's just been uh, quite a journey. It sounds like it. Um, first, yeah. thank you for your service. And I'm sorry to hear all that had that take place. Um, but I, I want to backtrack just a little bit. You said something about you were trying, you, you found some faith. Uh, I forget where it was when you, I think you were in the Navy or something, you were starting to learn more faith. And I was just wondering if you could share what made you go in that direction to. Uh, so my, no, I mean, I, I've been a Christian since I was about eight years old. And then when okay. I was uh, in high school, I started backsliding and hanging out the wrong people, trying to fit in and doing the wrong things and just not caring about life and, and everything else. It was in a dark place. And then started when I was 17 is when I really started to come back to my faith and just dive on fire full out for Christ and stuff like that. And so, um, so that's kind of where me coming back to my faith was at. And, and that to be really funny, um, I came back because of a girl. And so I, uh, you know, when, when I was in high school, my mom invited me to our, you know, the church that we were going to as a family, uh, they had a big October fest type thing and then met this girl there and just like, was just, you know, eyes all over her and ended up hanging out with her all night, getting to know who she was and stuff like that. I was like, Oh man, you know, this is awesome. And so nice. she, 
So I ended up hanging out with her all night. And then she invited me to the church that for the Friday night service that coming week. And she ended up not showing up. I came, I was like, yeah, I'm going to come and end up texting her and, and getting there. And she ended up not making it to that church. And, you know, ever since then I got plugged in with a bunch of people there and, you know, building new relationships, getting to know people. And I remember even a period of time that I had a sack of weed in my pocket. And then you know, after service walked outside, threw it in and you know, threw it away in the trash and, and just never looked back. And yeah. you know, that, that was, that was a huge turning point in my life. And I just really felt the Holy spirit just grabbed my heart and saying, Hey, you know, we're going a different way. And it's crazy when, when you, when you turn to Christ and you actually lay down your life and allow him to come in, all the other things won't even matter. So like even the people that I was hanging out with the wrong crowd and who I thought were my best friends, like some of them were my closest friends since I was like fifth grade. It was like, I, they never reached out to me. I never, they not even asking like, Hey JR, what's going on or whatever. Like before we would talk all the time or, and it was like the easiest transition. I was like, Oh man, this is crazy. And so it's like, you know, all that just kind of like went away on its own without any effort. And so, so that's kind of like where my faith began, but, but my comment that you're referring to about, there's no, no atheist in a foxhole, you know, I, I'm referring to, you know, first off, a lot of Marines, you know, when you're there, a lot of, a lot of Marines, you know, they, they kind of grow their faith while they're in the service. Cause they, they, they're looking for something to help get them through difficult times and fear and worry. And, uh, you know, when you, when you're in combat, you, you don't know if you're coming back. You know, we, we wake up every day and it's like groundhog day. You know, you, you wake up, you do your mission, you do your thing, you go to sleep, you do the same thing the next day. And it's just day in, day out. And when they say you're going to come home and we get extended three times while we were there and we were there three or four months longer than we were supposed to. Mm. It's just, I remember the last day when they said, Hey guys, pack up your stuff. You're leaving. No one in our, in our camp packed up. And then all of a sudden, like all the, higher ups ended up coming to our camp. It was like, what the heck's going on? Why, why is everything still here? Why is it still packed up? Because we didn't believe them. And then we ended up having like a day or two to pack everything up to, to get, to get going and ship out. And so, but uh, yeah, we, we didn't know if we were ever going to leave. I was like, ah, we're going to be here for another, whatever, who knows how long. And right. I thought that was going to be my new home. So <laughs> yeah, funny. but yeah, it, it definitely was an experience. I'm, I'm extremely grateful for what I went through because it's my story of who I am today. And it, it definitely taught me a lot about even just professionalism on how to, the Marine Corps taught me so much about as an entrepreneur, as a, a business person, how to connect with other people, how to serve people and just community and culture and things like that, that you don't experience outside of the military. So I'm, I'm extremely grateful for what I did go through. So, so like what, what, what specific things that you experience through that that you learned to carry out for the entrepreneurship and relationships and stuff yeah well well it wasn't until about 10 years later after the blast even happened where i was like reflecting on the whole event and what what i experienced and went through and i started evaluating like my whole time in the military and what i went through and it's like from the first day you put your feet on those yellow footprints in boot camp they're conditioning and training you for steps and processes to make you this war fighting machine and to be able to respond without thinking. And if you, and when I look back at the blast and when that happened on February 7th, 2007, I'm looking at all the Marines that went out and assessed the area that went and patrolled the town and to make sure there's no, nothing else going on. I looked at the corpsman that was, you know, to, you know, pertaining to going, paying attention to and taking care of the injured of 
those that needed attention and things like that. And the the com that was calling out to the 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 helos to fly in to get to evacuate those that got injured, to all the staff and CEO that was caring for the younger Marines, telling them what they need to do. Everyone knew their place, their time, what to do, how to do it, and when to do it, and no one questioned a thing. And that all goes back to that first day when we put our feet on those foot yellow footprints when we started that training and learning how to do what we needed to do so that when we are in the time of an ambush, we learn to respond without thinking. And this is the problem when it comes to entrepreneurship. Most entrepreneurs or people that want to become an entrepreneur aren't willing to commit or do the sacrifices that it takes to build a business. They want that success. They want that lifestyle of freedom to be able to do what they want to do, but they're not willing to commit and sacrifice the things that it takes to actually build a business. So in the Marine Corps, everything has a system. Everything's a process. Everything has an order of what to do. There's a chain of command. There's a process for doing certain things. You have to, you know, on ways to clean your rifle for everything that you got to do on how to wear your uniform, on how to see your senior personnel that are coming. And by having those systems and processes and the continued education, the continued training of, you know, doing the things that we didn't even want to do over and over and over again and repetitiveness was to prepare us for that one day. And, you know, I can't tell you how many times where we went off on, you know, ODARC 30 and went on a 10, 20 plus mile hike in the middle of the dark. And you can't really see two feet in front of you, but the other person with the pack and rifle that are walking in front of you, you're just hoping that they don't get out of your sight. So you don't get lost in the middle of the woods. How many times we did that? We just complained nonstop or how many times we had to do a company run and we're like, why are we doing this stuff? How many times do we have to go sit on the rifle range and throw and throw hundreds of rounds down range in the, range in the middle of the rain just over and over again? How many times do we have to clean our rifle and be in, paying attention to detail? Everything that we did was to create that muscle memory, to create the repetitiveness, to create that mus- that that repetition to help us develop to who we are. But in business, most people aren't willing to do it a few times. In business, a lot of people, they're like, hey, I gave it a try for a day, a week, a month, or even a year. And he ended up quitting before they even see a tip of success. Mm-hmm. The military teaches you how to do those things that you don't want to do. That's going to help lead you to those times of success and to create those systems, to create those processes, to create, to continue educating and training and, and crafting your skill sets so that way you can be great, but also so that way you can also make sure that you respond without thinking for when the shit does hit the pan. So a lot of that, and even the camaraderie and the culture, and just really understanding the mission and vision of what the Marine Corps stands for, taught me so much about business of who I am today. Because without having that mission, the core values of honor, courage, and commitment in the Navy, and just uh, you know, and having that brotherhood within the organization, I don't know if I would would be running my business the way it is today. But that taught me a lot about how I act myself, but how I want to run my business that it is today. Mm-hmm. And so then you started to, you said your first business was martial arts. I think you had a, was that the first one you? Yeah. So, yep. I started so martial you, arts school right when I got back. And was, sorry. So, so you started, you started that and then, um, and then what? And then you transitioned from something else to there or from there to. Yeah. Something. So I, I had the martial arts school and, um, you know, after a few years, I, I ended up wanting, realized I didn't want to work with kids at the time. And so I was like, I want to do an all an adult only program. So mm-hmm. I ended up selling off the martial arts school and started a full-time fitness business. And it was a group fitness program called uh, Power Fit Bootcamp. Uh, and within three years, I expanded that to four different cities. I was all over St. Louis, uh, Illinois, 
South Carolina, North Carolina and South Carolina and had more, had three managers, more than 30 plus instructors and probably more than 30 to 50 locations that we offered our program at. And then from there, I ended up uh, building a publication franchise with Into Publishing, grew that to be really successful. And then built an advertising agency where I took care of uh, health fitness pr- professionals. So personal trainers and gym owners and, and nutritionists with, uh, you know, their business and building out their sales funnels and marketing and things like that. And then at the same time, I built out 100K Fit Pro, which is a consulting business that was kind of tied to my Fit Pro funnels is what I called it. And later, a few years later, after that, I combined them both into what I have now, which is Creed Consulting, where I help small business owners with the growth and development. And then I also run another business right now, too, on top of Creed Consulting. And that's a business leaders network where we focus on education and connection for small business leaders. Cool. And so is there a reason or a purpose or whatever you might have transitioned through all those different businesses like that? Yeah. I mean, throughout, throughout life, we always have different likes and dislikes and passions and what we want to do. And if I, if I had to go back, I would never have shut down my fitness business. Mm-hmm. Um, but the truth is after about a decade of running the fitness business, I, uh, I went through 2015, I went through a major, a lot of PTSD. Things started coming to the surface. I was struggling really bad, just emotionally and personally. And, uh, I, I literally shut down the business overnight. I, I sent an email out to hundreds of clients and all my team and started saying, Hey, it was a good ride, but you know, I'm done. And I pretty much went hiding underneath a rock for for a year and put on 60 pounds at the time and uh, want to do something different. So during that transition, I was doing full-time sales and, uh, you know, selling warehousing equipment and material handling space. And one of my bootcamp clients, they, they did the same thing introduced me to that, that industry. And I kind of got sucked into it and fell in love with it. I loved it. You know, it became something easy for me to do. I love connecting. I love selling and things like that. And I learned, I'm I'm grateful for that experience because I would never have learned a different side to selling if I didn't go through that. I mean, I learned how, first off, I was a government rep, one of three reps for the entire worldwide company. And so I got to learn how to do government sales. I got to learn how to do B2B sales. I got to learn how to network and connect with people and stuff that I didn't learn from doing my fitness business or even the martial arts school. So after about a year after closing down uh, PowerFit Bootcamp is when I started getting the entrepreneur bug. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm done working for other people. I was still working it because I wanted to build a business and start getting it going. We had at this time moved across country from St. Louis to the Northern Virginia area close to DC. And so I had zero network and I was like, okay, how am I going to do this with no network and build up a business and, and, and kind of grow from there. So I knew there was going to be a period of time of growth for me. So I still had a job. And then was building this. And then after a year of building my business, they found out that I was doing it and ended up firing me anyways, which was great. My business pretty much doubled overnight after that happened and uh, and just fell in love with, you know, consulting and coaching and just, you know, helping people, you know, create b- bigger impact. And uh, and it's been it's been going really, really well ever since. Yeah. And do you want to dive into that a little bit more of your consulting and your business leaders network you got going on? Yeah. So Cree Consulting, we help small business owners with growth and development in their business by implementing the proper steps, which is the structure, the technology, the efficiencies, the processes that helps lead them to scalability. And my key component of where I'm good at is I like to consider myself a strategist and a process guy. And I, I take care of all pretty much a lot of the fulfillment of a person's 
business or program. So if you're a coach, I'm going to help you build out your coaching program. I'm going to, I'm going to, I take everyone through four key phases, which is the foundations, then the systems and processes. Once we get through that, then we take them through branding and positioning. And then we talk about sales and marketing on how to leverage and grow their business. Um, so a lot of it is like, say you, you want to build out a sales team training for your company. I can go ahead and do that. I can build out all your SOPs. I can build out your entire program. I have a staff where we actually, if you live in the United States, we will fly to you, do a full video shoot within one to two days, creating all your videos, edit all those, all your SOPs, your resources, your training program. And then we come back and we uh, put it into a system, create all your automation, your CRM and your, your follow-up system. That way you have a full done for you business in a box. And, uh, it's been, it's been amazing. You know, I've changed my offers many, many times over the past, you know, since 2017. And, you know, this has been one that I'm most passionate about because, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm actually helping them do things. And it's usually typically good for those that under that had stuff. They understand their message. They understand their offers. They understand where they're at in their business and they're just, and they're busy enough. And they just can't seem to figure out how to grow past where they're at because, they're already strapped for time. So I come in and help create automation systems and processes that's going to help them allow them to scale. So that's Creed Consulting itself. Business Leaders Network uh, stemmed from me looking for something to help my uh, consulting clients even further. I wanted to help them, you know, book more calls, grow their pipeline because, you know, I would teach them how to network. I teach them on how to do social media and a bunch of different things, but they were still struggling. A lot of clients were still struggling with different things for whatever reason. It could just be, you know, fear of going out there and not knowing what to say. And I was like, you know what, why don't I clean, why don't I create a space that I can actually bring people for them and show them how to do it, how to do one-on-ones, how to connect with people, how to actually grow your business, how to build relationships and book more calls. And so back in September in 2000, you know, 2022, I launched a business leaders network and we focused highly on education and connection. And since then we have now grown to about 75 members and we're hosting our first live event in DC next weekend on December 16th and 17th. And we're currently about 60 or 65 people registered for the event itself and only been marketing it for, well, it would be six weeks up to the event when we started marketing and talking about it. And so I'm, uh, I'm super excited for it and anxious to see, you know, how it's going to turn out. And I just know the people that are going to come there are going to leave blessed with new connections more, you know, growing their network and just, uh, you know, it's just going to help everyone all, all together and grow in their business. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I'm excited to join you and whoever is going to be there and get to meet all the people that you have coming. Um, I, I know it's getting close to the end here and your, uh, story was not long, but very detailed. And I appreciate you sharing your journey with us. Um, so I'm just going to wrap it up with a quick question for you. And you, I know you said sure. a lot of this stuff already, but uh, what are three key things you've learned and used along your journey? Three things that I've learned and used. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. So if I wanted to speak to definitely entrepreneurs, one is uh, always to have a coach. Every single entrepreneur needs to have a coach and someone that's going to help lead and guide them. And when every time I didn't have a coach and I thought that I can do it on my own is when my businesses started to fail. So I know me personally, I don't care what the investment is. I'm always going to have a coach, but having the right coach is someone that's done what I've done and has where, where I want to go. 
So that's going to be the first thing on having a coach. The other thing too is understanding that confidence comes with, comes with clarity. So the more clear you are in your programs, your offers, your deliverables, the more confident you're going to be. So if you're lacking confidence inside of your business and your messaging and what you do, you need to get really clear on your programs, your offers and your deliverables. And then that when you do that, then you're going to have more confidence when it comes to growing and scaling your business. And the third one is to, you know, what it, it goes to the core values of what Creed is. You know, when I, when I came up with the name Creed, it, it, it's an acronym that I built that stands for commitment, resilience, excellence, execution, and discipline. So the question that I leave everyone on here listening is what is the one thing that you're most committed to? They'd be resilient, even through the most difficult times, showing up every day, giving your best and having the mental and physical discipline to complete your mission. Because the truth and reality is the one thing keeping you from success is yourself. And like I said before, the one, the most people and entrepreneurs are not committed enough or willing to sacrifice the things that it takes to build a business. So what is your creed? Cool. Thank you. Are you asking me? No. I mean, it's a question for the audience. It it is. It's a question for everybody. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, JR. I'm I'm glad we got to connect and hear your story and your journey along uh, from where you came from to where you are now. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Absolutely. Can't wait. Thank you for uh, having me on your show. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you for taking your time listening to Life's Checkmark. If you like this show, please subscribe, rate, and review. And we'll see you next time.